Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining me this week on Tia Time. We'll get to the show in just a moment. First, I wanted to say thank you to all of you who have posted a rating on Apple Podcast. Apple Podcast is an app that can be downloaded to your phone or computer. The algorithm it uses allows more artists and art enthusiasts like yourselves to hear about the show. So if you haven't posted a rating yet, do it now. Thank you. On with the show. Welcome to Tia Time with Artists, the weekly podcast where we discuss the methods, challenges, and real-life experiences of living our creative dreams. What kind of creative warrior are you? Musician? Filmmaker? Painter? Choreographer? Poet? Sculptor? Fashionista? Let's talk about it right now. I'm your host, Tia Imani Hanna. Welcome to Tia Time with Artists. This week, my guest is singer, songwriter, lyricist, composer, educator, Janet Tanaj. Welcome to the show, Janet. Thank you, Tia. This is great. <laughs> it's so good to see you. Uh, we've been locked in, you know, or locked down for so long. So it's really good to, to see you. And I'm glad that you were able to come on the show today. Yeah, me too. And I just want to say I relish each conversation I have with folks nowadays because of the lockdown. So a silver lining to a weird cloud. <laughs> a silver lining to a weird cloud. I like that. <laughs> it's a songwriter in you right there. It's yeah, a silver I, lining to a weird cloud. That's where the Led Zeppelin comes in. Artists, we always think of things in a, in an off sort of way. <laughs> abstract, abstract, absolutely. I know. I think of that. Abstract comes to me first and then traditional second, which is weird because when you're talking to people that are always thinking in, in the box, then they don't, they have to hear what you're saying a couple times. I noticed. <laughs> And it could be lack of communication skills, too. I I think there's a, a bit of that because <clears throat> sometimes I think artists are already having a conversation in their head all the time. <laughs> and then we'll start in in the middle of the conversation with somebody who's walked into the room. Yeah. And they'll be like, what? And you're like, well, I've, I just said all of this. And they're like, no, you didn't say anything. In your head, you've had this whole yeah. ongoing conversation. And and, and the, uh, they're walking in and you say, the black cat. Of course, the black cat goes into that because it goes with dooby-dooby-ooby. And they're like, what? <laughs> they're like, random. <laughs> oh, that's perfect. That's for stand-up. You're going to save that for your stand-up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, I haven't been, uh, I was wondering what I was going to talk to you or to talk to you about today. And I, Sven, as you know, my, my husband, pianist, composer, songwriter. Sven himself. Anderson. Yes, yeah, Sven Anderson, say the name. He's uh, has a CD coming out soon, but the, and I know you're going to talk to him at some point about that. And the reason I'm bringing it up is, well, because it hopefully will be coming out soon. I don't know. We keeps getting delayed. The pandemic seems to make everything like, molasses like it goes and then it just stops and so we're not sure what is this where is this going but everything's recorded everything's mixed it's printed everything's ready to go but he had said to me because it was his first project of doing all original compositions mm -hmm. and 
with first he was going to do a trio and then he he decided it's a sextet basically the whole cd except for a couple songs is just like trombone but so he said i'm doing this project you should do one of all your compositions that'll be the next thing and all of your writing or whatever it is an odd concept right why did i why did we never think of this before because we've been in the jazz genre and we've always done jazz standards and done them to like maybe a more modern arrangement and that's been great and cool but i have a lot of musical influences in my background because from Motown, then there was R&B, there was Joni Mitchell, there was Frank Zappa, there was Jimi Hendrix, all so different. Judy Collins, Stephen Stills, Nash, the whole English rock scene, which was a whole nother thing, the blues, English blues. And, you know, because when you had Motown, you also had R&B because you had people like Wilson Pickett and James Brown. So that all like just powerhouse people that influenced me. And at the same time, because everything could be on the radio almost at that time, you had a girl from Ipanema as number one. Mm-hmm. And you had a Sarah Vaughn tune. So that was a big influence too, the Brazilian music. And I just sang along till the record stuck to the, to the needle, stuck to the record. And the record was great. My dad's, my room was over my dad's. He turned that off. But Where did you grow up? Did you grow, you grow up in Detroit or did you grow up outside of Detroit? No, I grew up in uh, Toledo, Ohio, which is the hometown of Art Tatum. Okay. And there's an Art Tatum Museum there. And my dad actually lived down the street from Art Tatum. They both grew up in the poor neighborhoods of Toledo and both became pretty successful people in their lives. And He's always proud that he, he grew up down the street from Art Tatum because he loved Art Tatum. Yeah, and I, I'm grateful that my dad had that appreciation for music because I, I just got introduced to, to all that stuff at the same time. And and actually, once we were visiting them and Sven and my dad were listening to Art Tatum, and I didn't, this was before cell phones or people taking pictures, and they were both sitting there listening on a sofa with their eyes closed. And it was just, it was great. It was like, they're both in that moment. So it was really cool. So at any rate, yeah, this project, I just started writing stuff. And I have one song, I'm going to send it to you, that I did where I, because I do play piano. Mm -hmm. And I did the whole song. Sven was not here. He was in Mackinac Island. And I think I recorded this like about eight years ago. And uh, the reason I'm proud of it was because I did the arrangement. It is a standard. I did so many stars. So I'm going to have a few standards that I feel really strong about on there, but they're totally my arrangements. And the Sergio Menges song, So Many Stars. And it's a beautiful song, beautiful lyrics. And I did the... did all the ranging, but I did all the instruments, synth bass, but I I use a John Patitucci patch. (laughs) (laughs) Can't go wrong. And uh, piano and the strings. And I didn't do any drums because that's a whole other thing. I have our drummer that that we love, we use Rob Emanuel. He actually did some files and then sent them to me. We're going to at some point, put them on there. But at any rate, and and I mixed it. I mixed it. I mastered it. I did everything. So I did. I And now it's been so many years. We went back in the studio because of the pandemic, our little home studio. 
had to relearn everything. It's just a whole process when you're recording because it's not just the music, it's the whole tech thing. And you're having to be the bottle chef, cook, whatever that saying is. And, <laughs> yeah, and the bottle washer or something. Yeah, like. right. And the, yeah, the doctor Ed and the fireman and, yeah, yeah. and the fireman and whatever else put out the fires. But I, I was going to send that to you. And also, I think this was because of you that I did this. Okay. It's all your fault. No, <laughs> um, you, cause you have a connection with Bobby McFerrin mm-hmm. and you've talked the circle song and all this. I was just on his site, just checking him out. Oh, this several years ago. I don't know. God, when did we, when did we meet? Cause it was probably around then 10 years ago. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it's been a long time. Yeah, it's been a long time. We feel like we've been through a couple of lifetimes anyway. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> and he was talking about singers. He goes, singers, practice Bach. And so I play piano. I had a CPE Bach piece. It's called Presto. So I just started to, I can't do the bass parts, but I just do the, because my voice only goes down solo. I can go pretty low, but sure. Uh, so it was like like this thing. I'll just play a little bit of it. It's um Just 16 bars but then it's really supposed to be up to t- you know like i haven't played it in a while so i'm not gonna <laughs> but yeah it's called presto so it's supposed to be played presto very fast and um so it's a lot of fun so yeah i started doing that that i didn't play the whole piece but you know what i will do i will record it and send the send it to you Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. It's a lot of fun doing that. And I, I'm, I don't know if you've probably done, you do that playing and singing single line stuff, right? On your, and you, yeah, I didn't sing the Bach as much, but I grew up playing Bach on piano. So, no, that's great. And I playing I just, it on the violin too. So there was, yeah, you know, oh, yeah, you get right. that certain thing yeah. and you, you learn, I learned a lot by being <laughs> able to sing it. So yeah. sometimes you couldn't practice it on the instrument. So oh. you just sing it in your head or you sing it going, oh, this is, and you sing the bottom part, the left right. hand, and you sing the right hand. Then you say, okay, how do these fit together? Because you're trying to teach your hands how to play what you Oh, have. I love it. And oh, there's a gorgeous, it's in his Symphonian books, which are really difficult. And I was working on them for a while, but there's just this one piece, I don't know if it's called Preludium. Anyways, it's just absolutely gorgeous. It's like those, I'm really, I think I my my harmony that I love is comes out of the French, the classic French like WC and all of that. And it just reminds me of that, but it was a couple hundred years before that. I don't know. Bach is just he's one of my favorites because he's his counter melody, his harmony, his everything is just so ridiculously perfect and he did so much of it. And it swings. And it's yeah, he was one of the first well, bebobbers, I I don't know. Yeah, he's got he's the consummate for me to go to for the harmony and whatever else. But I, I remember growing up, uh, my dad had the Swingle Singers records. Oh yeah, and they were always singing the Bach stuff, and oh, that yeah. just and then they just had the little bass guy in the back going doom doom, and they were singing it straight, but it right. sounded like it was swinging because they just had the swinging bass on there. 
No, and that's what I mean. You just sing it as is, and it's all there. Mm-hmm. But that, yeah, they are awesome. Uh, the swingle singers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. it's just a lot of fun. Yeah, you feel like a swingle singer when you're you're doing when you're practicing. Stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's fun. Yeah, you, know, you could put a drum like a drum thing on or something with it. Any kind. It could be bossa. It could be swing. It could be whatever. Yeah, I've with the guitarist I work with sometimes, Eldon Kelly. Mm-hmm. We've we just say mm-hmm. start something, and so we might start something in the style of Bach, right? Or we'll go to a style of Bach in the middle of something <clears throat> that was totally not that, just right. because it's fun to go there. But yeah, I, I, it is right. fun. Yeah, it's good to go in to weave in and out. Be able to okay, that we'll do it. We'll slow it down. We'll make it long meter, and now we'll take the same thing. You keep the long meter, and I'll do I'll double time, and or then everybody's double time, or you're both double timing. But it's interesting what you're saying with the the improv thing. With Eldon will play something, and then you start something. Sven and I do this a lot. Just we'll be just sitting around, and he plays guitar too, so. Guitar is easy. You can put it, pick it up and put it anywhere. Piano is pretty stationary. So <clears throat> I'm just sitting in the living room and late at night, and we're just like, he's just blimply, you know, can't stop playing. He's a um, musician-aholic. I don't know. He's always practice-aholic for sure, which is great. I, mm-hmm. it, he's got great discipline. But he's playing the guitar, and he'll just be playing some cool line, like whatever it is. So I just start singing something over, and I'll take my tape recorder which is an actual <clears throat> no but you can't oh, wow. see this an actual yeah. cassette player yes it's a real <laughs> cassette player and i have tapes that i actually ordered from amazon but it's interesting because <clears throat> i know that phones can record stuff my phone isn't i need to update my phone but i know phones record stuff but i'm not sure i had a student once who was recording it and she'd play it back and it didn't sound very good to me but maybe there that's better now and I can actually get some decent recordings on the little cassette player just for it's not to use in anything, but just to for practicing. So anyways, I record I just put the tape recorder on and let it run. And sometimes we it, it, it can be funny because you hear us talking. Don't do this. No, what? I said, no, I said, was like, well, then we play it back. And I go, I told you you said that there. <laughs> anyways do you save those and pull those out later for writing or absolutely absolutely know, yeah crafting to, something that's what you I mean, you just made me think of was that that's how this last song came about that i i wanted to talk to you about today it's called these are the times we're in and it's it's it was like it's about been about a two almost three year journey with this song he was playing this guitar line a kind of a, a like a eighth note thing or something and i started just i was just doing like a blues but i but it was became a little bit more than that and he kept playing the same line so i was doing stuff over it so i played it back and i made myself a note on the cassettes as cool song And which meant that I was supposed to transpose it, write it out. And so <clears throat> not transpose, I transcribe it. Mm-hmm. And so he had, I said, I can't hear everything you're playing on guitar. Can you write that out? So he sent it to me. We use Sibelius, the software Sibelius for writing. And which is a godsend because in the old days, you had to write parts and then you had to copy them. And God forbid you make a mistake if you're using ink, which I never did. Never used ink. I always pencil. Mm-hmm. And then Xeroxed it so it looked like 
ink. And um, but this is so great because you can just copy parts and especially whatever. But uh, so he sent it to me on Sibelius, and then I took it and started writing a score to it. And originally, but originally when I because when we were doing it, I was saying a phrase. Sometimes words would come out when I'm doing this. I'll just say a phrase of something, and I kept saying, "These are the times we're in. These are the times we're in." So I was like, and it was also during our this past government time, and everything. The news is just every day something happening, and it was just exhausting then before the pandemic, and so. I, I just felt everything, people were getting emotional and starting to feel something's got to change here. And I at that time I'd seen a, it was the one of those Oscar, they have Oscar shorts that are nominated. And it was a movie called, what is spelled, I don't know how to pronounce this and I never learned, but I tried to look it up, but it's, it was spelled W-A-T-U, one word, then W-O-T-E, and I pronounce it Watu Wote. It's uh, it means all of us. And what it was about is a true story. And some Nordic crew put it together and they used an all African actors cast. And what it was, Muslims and and Christians in Africa are very are at each other's throats. Okay. Anyways, so the gist of the story is that it it was a. Christian woman, a young woman, and her husband and her infant were killed by Muslims. And in some sort of, I don't know if it was attack or ambush or whatever it is, we have no idea in our day-to-day except for uh, what's been going on with with the police of killing the unarmed um, black people that's been going on nonstop seems to be that it, I don't know how else to say this, but that the previous president opened the gates for a lot of hate and just negating any kind of social programs whatsoever. <clears throat> and I in looking at this now, this was interesting because here was two African people that shouldn't be against it, but they are totally like hate each other for some, I, I don't know. But the interesting thing is that a true Muslim is follows God. They're really peaceful people. They're not violent, but you had a lot of Muslim rebels. And I imagine there was probably Christian rebels too. But this story focuses on what happened in, in actual life was because in Africa, she was taking a bus. She had lost her husband and her child and she was taking a bus and it was everybody on the bus was Muslim. Mm-hmm. So she's just, you know, she was completely stoic. Like, I'm not talking to any of these people. I hate them all. She just, her uh, baby and her husband were just murdered by them. Right. As traumatic as it is. So she was going to visit her mother or stay with her mom. And, and they're taking a bus and they're traveling across a desert. Yes. So it's huge. And so they're, yeah, they're traveling these vast expanses. And they have to have a police escort, which we don't think about anymore. No, we're becoming that kind of a nation where we, but at this point, at that point, when this happened, I think this was back in 08 or 09. I'm, I don't quote me on that. I have to look at the article. So what happens during this is they have the police escort, the police follow them. It's just them on a bus, the bus and 
the police behind them and they're traveling and they get to a town and we don't think about this either. They're spending the night. Everybody sleeps on the ground. People are here. We sleep in motel. We don't think about all these things that they go through in these you know, other countries that are, we just take for granted. And so then they get up the next day. The police car broke down. They couldn't continue with them. So the bus goes on and they're traveling solo without any escort. And sure enough, some Muslim rebels come out of wherever, pull the bus over. They've got their machine guns, make everybody get out. And first, when they're in the bus, the the woman is absolutely just, the Christian woman is just absolutely shaking. Of course, everybody is. Now, all the women have their scarves on. And she so she puts her head down and she motions to the woman, give me a scarf. So she gives her a scarf. And before this time, I, I uh, what happened is one of the Muslim guys on the bus, because the women are sitting on one side and the men on the other, and he was the husband of the woman that she was sitting with, tried to make friends with her, and he didn't understand, just to be peace, be peaceful, because he was a peaceful kind of person. And she, he didn't know about her husband and son getting killed at the time, so he didn't understand her level of hostility, but he tried. And then she was just like, don't talk to me. I I hate everybody here. But so then she's frightened. The lady gives her the scarf. So she looks like she's Muslim. They make everybody get off the bus and they're all kneeling on the ground. And they're saying, I know there's somebody here that's Christian. I know you're hiding somebody. So what happened is no one would say it was her. Everybody knew it was her. And this one kid gets up, young, young man, and starts quoting from the Quran. And I'm not an expert on the Quran, but he's talking about peace and love and brotherhood. And in other words, we don't do this. Why are you doing this? Another he's saying that through the, the script of the Quran. And the so anyways, they wouldn't give her up. And they're all and then another then the guy that was tried to make friends with her, who happened to be I you find out later he was a teacher, he got up and he was talking. And there's there and these rebels are just they're just they're like gangsters and they've got machine guns. So <clears throat> then, right in the middle of it, the police show up. They finally got their car fixed, and they come on the road. And so then everybody starts running, and all the people are running back into the bus, and the Muslims open fire, and they just start shooting people in the back. And the one guy that was the teacher guy got shot. And he didn't die. He was he got on the bus, and but what happened was because they protected her, she was just so moved because she's like, "Wow, this they're not they're not these people that killed my family." She then you find out later that the man ended up dying eight weeks later. That was trying to protect her, mm-hmm. and she became friends with his wife because the wife was pregnant at the time. And so the last scene in there is her going to visit her in her village. And the little girl is, my auntie's here. And it just was so moving for me, you know, that, and I was like, I want to write a song about this, because this is mankind. This is just, this is everywhere. This is people against people in the same town, in the same country, whatever. And this wasn't even black and white. This was black against black. And I'm just like, this is, terrible this is but but it was beautiful at the same time and uh, so that's why i think the name of it's all of us watu wote and it's a very powerful movie it's like only 35 minutes 
And I think you can, you know, see it on Prime or something. Anyway, so I wanted to write about that. Hmm. It was, I've never really done socially conscious stuff. And as jazz musicians and musicians, we just do, a lot of times you do standards. But I think you get to a point where I just, I've got to branch out and do everything different. Everything that's musical, that's been, like I was saying earlier, like all the influences. Like sometimes I just want to do like a kind of a rock tune, but I bring all my jazz harmony into it. I bring all my classical harmony into it because that's who I am now, you know. You bring your whole self to the table. You can't compose from only part of yourself. So right. that makes perfect sense to bring your whole self. And it used to be that in doing standards, you're doing you're just in that kind of genre. Not that you can't do something completely different from the standard, put a rock beat or a funk beat or whatever behind it. I've done that too. So I, now it's in, I'm in a different space pretty much, but different but not, just more of everything. So anyways, back to the song. So then Zoom Forward about a year later and all these Brianna Taylor, all this stuff starts happening. And I'm just like, Oh my God, what the, you know, what just in shock, like every day, every day, something horrific. Like it's almost like we're in a Holocaust, but watching from the comfort of her home or something. So at any rate, so I started to ask people how they felt in with the this administration that we had and everybody would tell me even people who were really secure and had like good pensions like older people that retired or people my age that <laughs> you're talking about the trump administration yes and i would ask people how do you feel and they go oh desperate unsure uncertain scared and even people who had homes and owned homes and they didn't feel safe anymore nobody's feeling safe or secure or not that they're stopping themselves from going out and being in public in the pre-pandemic. But so I write stuff down. And then when all these these tragedies happen and George Floyd and I say, okay, this is this has got to be a song about for Black Lives Matter. And I just feel that artists should document history. Not that it, it's it won't be recorded now and there's plenty of print and there's a computer, but what if something ever happens to computers and all the stuff in the cloud just disappears? Well, there's songs, uh, Ring Around the Rosie, the Ashes We All Fall Down. That, I didn't know that was from the plague because they were right. burning bodies. So that right. song has a lot of potency. Kids playing Ring Around the Rosies because the rosies were some kind of thing too. Uh, you know. Well, it was the wound <clears throat> or the abrasions that showed up on the body. It was a posy shape. Oh, oh, wow. had a ring around it. Yeah. Mm, mm, mm. That's what that was. Wow. So, so if see, you got that, then you were ill and most likely you were going to fall down dead. <laughs> so we all fall down. Wow. Ashes to ashes, we all fall down. And then they burn the bodies. That's so interesting. It's right there. There's the, that history. That's the whole thing right there. Mm-hmm. I didn't, I just learned that. London Bridge is falling down. There's another. <laughs> yeah. Most nursery <clears throat> rhymes in that era are about uh, political things that happened. Which is I have a whole book about it, actually. Oh, that's that's what I I find really interesting because I I love that you can encapsulate a whole thing that happened in a song, like a whole whatever that was time span in a song. So that's what I just thought, and I also was thinking of Nina Simone was saying it's an artist's responsibility to talk about what's going on in the world because. 
artists can, you can say what you want. Politicians are dancing around the words, but we can just say whatever we want. So anyways, that became a Black Lives Matter song. And I was (laughs) having a poet that I had met through a mutual friend, Steve King, who mixed a lot of our stuff. He was a Grammy winner, Steve King, the engineer who did a lot of stuff. And he passed away, sadly, in uh, 2014. But Mm. I met him through him. And M.L. Liebler, who's a poet uh, laureate like in Detroit, and he teaches at Wayne, and he's been around forever, and he does all kinds of cool things. You should probably do something with him at some time. Anyways, we'll talk about that. But he was going to write the lyrics. And the interesting thing is, I sent him a score. And I just figured I just even if you don't read music, I say the words are underneath the melody. So you can see for me, it makes sense in my mind. If you can see the note, you can see each syllable with each note, then you know that you're supposed to write a word with each one of those marks, even if you don't read music. But some people don't understand that. And <laughs> yeah, I found that out really fast. Send them the melody and <clears throat> yeah. record it melody so they can hear the song. Well, I did. And then I ended up doing that. But it still wasn't the same because I had a, I'm not going to say it's a complicated melody. It just was a thing for him. So what he did is. No, I knew, yes, the melody was probably a little bit complicated. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> so, so he spoke over it. He, he gave it back to me and he did a, it was an MP3. It was great, but it wasn't, it wasn't singing. It was like, like Walter Matthau kind of talk sing. Sure. So it was like that, but actually ML can sing. He's got a great blues voice, but he wasn't really singing. He was speaking and he told me it was the hardest thing he ever did. And he's done so much stuff. And I'm like, wow, I complimented. <laughs> <laughs> but so what it was is I ended up saying, so I ended up just ended up writing lyrics, but he's going to use it for a book. Oh, and fantastic. Uh, yeah, so it's not a waste of his poem or anything like that, but it's a, it was great. But so finally, and then we started recording it finally. I wrote, finally just, I broke down, I wrote the lyrics and I don't know, we started recording in September and I've never done anything like this. This was really stupid. Like when you write something, usually you write all the parts and then you go to record it. And most people will lay down the instrument tracks unless they want to do everything at the same time for a live feel. You usually lay down the instrument tracks and then you put the vocals over it. And we have that largesse because we have our own studio, I, <clears throat> our own little home studio. So I did that. But a lot of times when you go from paper to performance, it can sound completely different. Mm-hmm. Have you noticed that? And sometimes it, it'll be just as it as you heard it but this was not at all what i thought so it was almost like i reverse engineered it like we put the parts down and then i went nah <laughs> i don't like that so sven and because he had laid a guitar track so he ended up using a clavinet over it which gave it a completely different sound like a funky electric electric piano thing anyway so i had all the vocals down and then we had to redo do a lot of the instruments. So it was like the stupidest way to record. And it took a couple months. No, well, let's take that out. I don't like this. And then and then the same thing with the, the voices. And there's harmony in it and background voices. And I, I had to do them all. I kept saying, well, I'm going to put this here. I'm going to put this there. And so that's why it just took, seemed like it took forever to record it. And, and now we're in the middle of mixing it. And it'll be finally done. And there's like a little video. And I just, and I, 
offering it for free, like anybody can download it because anywhere I, they don't have to sign up for an email or whatever, because I just think it's important enough issue sure. that needs to be talked about all the time. So I just want people to listen to the song and think about it. Not that they're not hitting the face with it every day, but it's different if it's music. So that's that. The wrong house, the wrong door, the wrong life, the wrong score. Brianna, who's gone, who screams silence before dawn. Can you see, can you feel, is it real? Is there something you can do? Never mind. Go blind. You ignore the rest of humankind. These are the times we're in. These are the times we're in. In dreaming. In waking. In daylight. In dark. Here, my 
an interesting long journey to get to there. Mostly because it it, it it started with a movie. Yeah. As opposed to just seeing it on the street or seeing it on the news or... Right. I wouldn't have known about it because when I went to research, Google it to find out, I found one article. It wasn't, a, it's a humanitarian thing. It should have been, this. look what happened. These people did this for each other. They protected each other and they're mortal enemies, but they did this. They came together. This is what I call evolution. This is progress. Right. So it was like, if they can do this and they've been like this for a long time, we can certainly everyone else can look at this like a model like an example and and i don't think there's enough good news in the news it sneaks in here and there but this was a very important story because of how that it's and everyone knows in africa and all these different countries about the boy soldiers and different people attacking each other Mm -hmm. all the time and how it's been like this for a long time and young girls being Married off like young boys, 10, 11, 12, carrying machine guns. So if they could come together and be peaceful, it was, certainly was inspirational. And I, Like I said, we, I would have never heard about it. I'm not in Africa. I would not know this. And uh, I'm glad I live where I live, Detroit area, because I think Detroit is special. They've had, there was an incident at the end of the um, song. I've, it, we're making a video with it. It's just a lyric video. So people can look at the lyrics. And at the end, I'm having a say their name list. And it's just a say their names of all the unarmed black people that were killed by police Mm -hmm. that could have been avoided. And uh, I saw one that was in Detroit. I'm hoping and thinking that that Detroit's a little better than that. I don't know. But I basically, yeah, going to be working on this uh, new project and have I've been working on that song that was very hard to work on too because it was very emotional like a lot of the stuff and when we were compiling this list still compiling it and then there was three more in the you know Dante, Kia Bryant and Andre Brown mm. this reboot and I'm like okay I gotta add them now and so I don't want to keep adding names to this list right. <laughs> I know I, I don't want to keep doing that that's that's it's too much so yeah, so that's possibly on the CD, but I'm offering this just as a single, like I said, just want people to hear it. And then the next song I'm doing is called I'm Feeling Good, because I need relief. <laughs> you got to have something. Yeah, and it's like a song about inspiration. Of I actually, my I asked my brother to write the lyrics, my oldest brother. Mm-hmm. And I just let him, usually I'm, when I ask somebody to help me do something or write lyrics, I'm always like micromanaging. I really wanted this here. No, I really want, but see, this is the thing. And this is really what it's about. So I just, I didn't do that. I just said, let him write whatever. And I tried to give him the idea of what it was. And basically it's just about light and letting light in and people, somebody seeing your light and that kind of thing. So it's a little bit of relief. So do you all have a name for this new CD? For Sven's? Yes. For Sven's CD. No, I mean... To, because, oh, for well, mine? Okay, so all these tunes huh. that you're writing, are these yeah. going to be on yours or on his? They're going to be on mine. And, of course, he's going to be on there. But And then I guess we you could say we co-wrote it because I did all the vocals and then I did a lot of the parts. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a little tiny bit of cello and flutes and stuff like that. But they're just basically doubling with backgrounds. and. But it's your arrangements and your composition? 
Yeah, and I would say Spence too because that's how it started with him playing this thing, and that's how we do. That's that's how we've done a lot of stuff. I don't can't tell you how many times he's. I just it'll run for like forty five minutes or whatever the tape, ninety minute tapes, flip them sure. over. And so I'll be listening, and it's very grueling. And you're listening, ah, you're going through the whole thing. Like, okay, 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 fast forward. And then all of a sudden, I hear that that one thing that spark for 30 seconds. That's it. That's it. Then we use that. And I go, okay, that's we use that in this arrangement. Listen to that, what you did. He goes, because a lot of times you don't remember what you did. Of course not. Improv, improvising, you don't remember. You you just know, do. If you're doing it like a pattern, you'll remember it. I'm getting better about that because there's like back in the day when I started doing that, it's, I didn't remember anything. But now I like right away, it's kind of a memory trick. So you want to remember somebody's name and you give yourself a trick. So I give myself a thing to remember that with. Sure. But <clears throat> yeah, miles and miles of tape. And I remember I had a conversation with Gary Bartz, the saxophonist, mm-hmm. and I had a conversation with him about that back in the 80s. I met him. He was playing at Sam's Jams when Sam's Jams still existed. And it was really cool because Gary Bartz was playing and he had a bassist. God, his name's Christian. I can't think of his last name. And his brother. And they're both, they were real young. They were from like Denmark or some somewhere like that. Uh, but they were playing with him. They were great. And so I was talking to him afterwards and we were talking about arranging or just stuff like that. And he told me that he'll tape and record himself practicing and just for that one spark he might hear and i do that too and tape recorder kid that's what i call myself because i just i've got so many boxes it's i probably somebody think i was a hoarder with all the tapes i have but they're in they're actually packed away in like big tupperware things (laughs) but i've got stacks of them well, there's. I went to a conference back when the IAJE, the International yeah. Association of Jazz Educators, right. was smaller. Like before they disbanded, they got too big, and I think that's why they ended up disbanding because it got too yeah. big. Right. But when they were small, you could go into a session with about thirty or forty people, <clears throat> and then they'd have a panel or a jazz great or mentor come and speak to everybody. <clears throat> and I remember yeah. doing one with Horace Silver. Beautiful. And he popped, he was in there and he was telling stories. It was great. Oh, we were God, like right yeah. there with him. Yeah. And he talked about <clears throat> that every morning he'd get up, he'd make a recording on the tape and he'd come up with doodle on the piano and he'd record it. Then he'd put it in the box. And then like once a week or so, months a month or whatever he felt like it, he'd say, okay, I'm going to pull, start pulling these out and start seeing if I can develop any of these. So he did the same thing. Yeah. And I said, oh, if he does it, I can do that. I've been doing that for 50 years. No, for a long time. Sure. (laughs) And tape recorders used to be like, now, you know, that one's a Radio Shack one, but you could get some really nice small tape recorders. Mm -hmm. I snuck one into a a Tony Bennett concert once and just taped the concert. I didn't, I haven't, you know, not selling it or anything. Yeah, you you just did it for yourself. But it was interesting because the lady next to me was tapping her foot, so you're Oh, of course. And I was like, okay, tap in time, please. Because <laughs> I was stuck. It's getting my nerves. Oh, no. And something else I wanted to mention, too, because you were talking about educator. We have this program because it made me think of when you were talking about mentors and stuff, because I had started a relationship because Sven had, back in the whatever, the 80s, he had gone to a workshop that Billy Taylor started, and it's mm-hmm. called Jazz in July. And he went to one of the first ones. He was actually had a scholarship to go there. Was that in Boston? Or is that Connecticut? 
Yeah, I don't know. Somewhere, somewhere east. I remember yeah, that. Somewhere east, right. Yeah. And uh, Sven was just telling me these great stories. Like he met Max Roach and he, he had conversations with him and, and just the cool things that people that he had there. And so he had this relationship with Billy Taylor, but since then the, the thing had really grown Well, Billy Taylor has since passed quite a while back. Right. He lived to be 95 and was sharp mm-hmm. all the way. And so when I developed, when we developed this program, Jazz's Elementary, we went through several different changes. I, I, I taught it in several different locations of four to nine-year-olds to teach them about jazz and the environment at the same time because of environmentalists. And so all the, the the characters come out of a jazz forest and they're like, it's two worlds. It's like a, a parallel world. There's the jazz forest and then there's our world and they are in sync together. It's like a place that's magical too, because I'm trying to keep kids interest, but they're learning sophisticated concepts. Like I teach them, one of the first games is this jazz. And it's a lot of fun because I play like samples of it's all stuff that we did, but like some country music, some rock and roll, some blues, some classical music, jazz. And when it's jazz, they have to get up and dance so that they move. But right away, they recognize, oh, there's different kinds of music. Because a lot of times kids now, they'll just hear what's on the radio, which is inundated with one type of music. Because pop sounds like country, sounds like hip hop. Mm-hmm. But all That's the thing. I just wish there was more diversification mm-hmm. in music because it just, and not that there's not great musicians out there, but it just seems to be the same formula, like layers and layers of this for pop and then layers of this for the country, but it's all the same kind mm-hmm. of. At any rate, I diverge, whatever the word is. It went through a lot of different things and we were supposed to become presented at a Montessori thing that didn't work out because of the people we were with that she wanted to use night. She was helping us put the manual together just on the technical end. We were the creative people and she put, she wanted uh, us to have 95% of it in the contract and she'd do, and oh no, 5% for us and 95 for her because she said she'd take everything. I don't know who you've been talking to, but that's not how it works. And because she, and so it was unfortunate. So it got delayed and we couldn't do the, the presentation there because of she was the person we were working with was the Montessori connection and said we were willing to go 50 50 but this kind of thing happens in music unfortunately we never even got to that point because she just didn't understand and anyways she talked to somebody I said yes if you were like Warner Brothers or something and you could offer us some what do you call it, an advance if you invest yeah if you actually invested in and you produced the whole thing yeah right, but you right. didn't produce anything you then we'd be musicians for hire which is a different thing altogether it, yeah and that's basically <laughs> what she was yeah. that's what what a contract like that would indicate but yeah so anyways then we went through several different metamorphoses and then Sven came up with the idea about Billy Taylor. So I contacted him and he's older. He isn't really a, a computer person, but I did contact through his lawyer and then his lawyer got, and I started sending him stuff and he loved the program mm-hmm. and he really wanted to help us. And it was really cool. And he was just such a beautiful person. And he's like the godfather of jazz education, going into Harlem with his jazz mobile. And when he told me, he gave me all these tips and he was saying at the time, he said, because most of his audience is black, and they were using, a lot of black people had to use uh, cold water, you know, to wash their clothes in the washing machine because a lot of people couldn't always afford heated water. So there was a certain kind of laundry detergent that for cold water. And that's what he used as a sponsor for a show. And so he said, you just need a good sponsors. And he understood the mechanics of how to put something together. He 
Also, he wanted us to present at the Kennedy Center, this program, do some workshops. Yeah, and it was a great opportunity. But unfortunately, what happened, another, what would you call it, blockade in in music business, the business of music gets in the way of the music. And uh, the lady that was um, in charge of it was not a musician. She was just administrative. And she, I was talking to her about how I would come in and present. And she goes, it sounds like, she actually said this to me, it sounds like you want to make money from this. And I just was floored. I didn't know how to respond to that because I thought, you know what? If there weren't musicians, you wouldn't have a job because that was her job. Right. So she was making money off of other people's, what they do. So I didn't say anything. I said, actually... I said, I'm being paid for the workshop, but the, the materials are free that I'm handing out to people. It was like, you give it to the teacher because this program was meant to be taught in a school curriculum. I even mm-hmm. It's even uh, had it standardized for core curriculum, and it could relate to science projects, to math, sure. art. We have all these, and then there was these, we have these characters we developed that was drawn and that we collaborated with Sean Bieri, who was an artist for Metro Times for a long time great artist. You can look him up sometime on Facebook. And anyway, so he did these cartoon characters, these hybrid characters like Gorilla Bass. And he is a bass and he's a gorilla at the same time because we wanted to pick an animal, say, that was represented the bass. The gorilla's big and he's got that boom sound. So it could imitate the walking, the bass walking. Okay. At any rate, so we have these pictures, and then what I did is turn them into coloring pages, black and white pictures, so the kids can take after the lesson. So they're thinking about it at the same time while they're coloring it. Oh, they remember how the mechanics of the bass, they remember how you're supposed to do this. And they're four and five. And so anyways, that was the thing I was going to give away, and then also a CD because we have a, like Everything is recorded, a song. So if a teacher doesn't feel comfortable singing, they can just put the CD on and sing with it. And and I did this in class too. So at any rate, that all went with it. And she pretty much poo-pooed it. And Billy Taylor was very angry at the time. And he also got very upset about NPR, I think, too, because they did something where they were cutting out a lot of music and becoming more maybe what he called political and uh, he, he was seeing the times change way before. I didn't understand a lot of what he was talking about. But now as the time goes on, I'm like, yeah, he's right about all that. But um, so what he, happened with the project then? Yeah, well, he, he had envisioned that we were able to, through Kennedy Center, because this was before Zoom and all this, sure. that they could project it to like Japan and other places. That This was his idea. Mm-hmm. And so it just dead in the water there. Yeah, it just so you, know. you don't have this product. No, I do. It's still very viable. We're building a website. It's going to be on there. I could do teacher training virtually. That's the beauty of that now. And so, yeah, and it's actually was Sven's idea, which I thought was pretty brilliant to write a manual that was inclusive. So even if you're not a musician, you can learn along with the kids. But I do think teacher training is necessary because. There are concepts that even though they're taught simply, they're still difficult to get if you're not uh, a musician or just not comfortable keeping a beat or trying to. But they're very, it's simple stuff. And it's, and it had a great response wherever I taught it. So that was good. And, and I would like to 
in the future, I, a guy approached me about, well, we, we were talking to him about doing video stuff, and he was the first one to talk about doing stuff online, Arvel Jones. He's also a cartoonist who did stuff for Marvel. He's great. If you ever look, Arvel Jones, he's great. So he was doing stuff for TV at the time, and he, so we, I actually wrote a pilot, and, and I turned it into a I have four episodes, but it'd be a really cool show. And instead of uh, animation, we'd have like puppets, like a la, like the gorilla base would have to be big, like what they call a walk around puppet, like sure. Big Bird. Anyways, I don't know. I'm still hopeful for that. Is there anything that you haven't done that you really would like to do? Oh, yes. Yes. Orchestral stuff. I have some pieces I wrote. <clears throat> that we're beginning or I, okay, this is really a bizarre thing to say. I taught myself how to do that, but I did because spent several years on Mackinac Island, like half of the year. And I wasn't always able to go up there with them. I did actually work up there the year I lived up there with them briefly, which was interesting uh, say the least. And so when he was gone a lot and I started, I was writing like all the time and Sibelius, because Sibelius has this whole orchestral palette of instruments. I just started, I took songs. I had this project. I go, okay, he's not here. I'm just going to write all this stuff. So I immersed myself in music, like from nine to whatever I got up till all day. And I had all these songs that I put on a sequencer in the piano that I just had little snippets, little tidbits of, I don't know what you call them, like 24, 16 bars of something. And I go, so I go, okay, I'm going to turn this into a song because it was a song. I usually gave them little titles like Flowerin' or something or some weird name or spending titles. Yeah. And exactly. So you could identify it. And so I started to take them, I transcribed them. And then I started putting them in a score. I was like, oh, wait, there's this whole score. I, I never even use this. So I started making, oh, this will be flutes. And this will be like, I just took a, like a piano chord and, and broke it up into instruments, which is writing quarterly, which mm-hmm. is not. But then I started to add different stuff to it. And it started to, so these little tidbit songs became full pieces. And I would send them to Sven up on the island. And then he'd go, wow, this is, yeah, you do. Because now he, he has a master's in composition from Cleveland Institute of Music. So he actually studied all that stuff. And it was interesting. And, and so that's something I would like to do. I would like to also probably perform with the strings and like a full string orchestra, like with one of my arrangements. That would be great. I can't imagine. I know Charlie Parker, I guess they said that was just heaven for him when he worked with strings. He was just like, I don't know, felt like oh, that, that was what he had reached his his pinnacle or something. And they said, well, because I, I, a lot of people, I don't know if they understood that they think, oh, he was just a drug addict, but he had a bad car accident, I believe, or uh, he had an accident when he was in high school. And yeah, I think back it was a car was, accident. Yeah, and his back was horribly painful. So he started, a lot of people did that back then they gave you morphine mm-hmm. and so he became addicted i remember a friend of my mom's some white jewish lady she's not like a jazz musician and same thing happened to her mm-hmm. bad back and they gave her morphine and she became addicted and like the opioid thing but anyway so he but i guess during that time when he was with strings he tried to not do any drugs and clean he was really making an effort to and then when it the thing fell through they said he was just crushed it's just crushed but anyways, sad story, but 
I, I would love to do something like that, or, orchestral band.
dance and I don't mean go-go dance or something but I used to I did ballet for a long time and uh-huh. modern modern dance and I love tap and I think it'd be really fun to choreograph Sven has a piece he wrote it's a harp piece and it's really cool and I when he play it and I just started to dance around the living room and I'm getting older so I can't do as much as I used to but I'd like to I think that would be a lot of fun that would be great or if I could like the Brian Auger thing I think this is his wife. Oh, that was bad. You don't know Brian Auger is? No, I don't. Check him out. Hey, he's the one who wrote, or did he write Freedom Jazz Dance? No, he did a version of Freedom Jazz Dance. It's really cool. Back in the 70s or something. Or yeah, maybe. just not familiar. Brian Auger. Check him out. He's really good. Anyways, I think his wife used to dance around on stage or something. But yeah, I just turned 69. So I'm like, oh, it's good. I can still do some of this. I got to get it while I can because I don't know. I did see a picture of somebody, a 70-year-old lady on point. That's torture. I would not want to. Yeah, that's. She's probably been on point since she was. Yeah. Yeah. I can't imagine what her toes look like because. Yeah. Dancers feet are are ugly. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I thank God for Tai Chi because I swear. Yeah. I have calluses on my foot. And then I just can't imagine now like doing it for all those years and how she still can. She must have, I know she must be a freak of nature. That's all I can say because. She she probably just never stopped. Yeah. But it's, you still have problems. I know so many dancers, like their joints, they have to, their knees are gone because they're, they're dancing on hard floors on like you have a wood floor, but it's got to have a certain thing underneath it so it doesn't uh, destroy your joints. It has to be a you sprung know? floor. Yeah, and a lot of them are, had concrete. Right. Anyway. But, oh, and, and that's another thing I was about tapped is where I grew up in Toledo, Eddie Abrams was like my first jazz influence, Toledo jazz pianist, a really very sweet guy and really nice person. He died, geez, a long time ago. And anyways... He had my nice back in, in my 20s. I would I started to sing. He would take, like, they would do these school things. And his, his pal, Jerry Reed, from Atlanta, who lived in Toledo, was master tapper. And he, they did the thing, like the Gregory Hines thing, where they, Eddie would play and Jerry was the drummer. And sparks were just fly. He was just fantastic. I guess he was inducted into the Atlanta Hall of Fame along with uh, Dinah Washington or something. But Jerry was just... a really cool and so that was always fun like to have to have that kind of thing to to have been part of and and I remember when my daughter was taking tap and I took her I was here but I took her up to see Jerry when he was still alive 
And I, I want to find that tape. I had it on the tape recorder. It's in the 80s. And I, I, I just played this thing. I can, I can remember I went, bump, do, do, bump. And it was called Dance a Lick. And then he, they were dancing. And it was just, I can't find, I want to hit, find the tape because you can hear them tapping. It's really cool. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. But I don't know. That's a whole different thing there, too. So the whole dance thing, you know, it's got all that in it. And hopefully you'll get a chance to do some of these things, at least in some way, shape or form. Right. Uh, in, in front of an audience, it would be nice too. after COVID is done. So say one more time, where can we find you online? Sven and Janet Jazz. Okay. That time, right. right? Right. Okay. Right. All right. Thank you so much, Janet, for being on the show today. Really appreciate your time and your stories and just letting us into the mind of the the convoluted mind of an artist <laughs> that goes so deep and go we love rabbit holes here so yeah thank you so much for, for sharing that with us today thanks for having me on and thanks for just being the artist that you are i think it's really important it's really great what you're doing because people need to open their minds and even if, if they're my son always said everyone's an artist because whatever it is that you're doing it just to open your mind so that we can become more inclusive so that we can become more loving towards each other. And that's for me, what all of it's. Thank you so much. All right. Love you. Love you too. All right. See you soon. And I want to do something with you sometime, by the oh, way. It's going to happen. It's going to yeah, happen. Okay, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Thank you for joining us this week on Tia Time with Artist. Make sure to visit our website, tiaviolin.com, where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes and never miss an episode. Please leave us a rating wherever you listen to podcasts. We really appreciate your comments and will mind them to bring you more amazing episodes. I would like to thank this inaugural season sponsors, the folks at Jazz Lines of Bend, Michigan, or JAM. Michigan Art Share, a program of Michigan State University Extension, is a partner in supporting the Tia Time podcast and Sham Bones Music. Without their support, this podcast would not be possible. Thank you so much. If you would also like to contribute to the show, you can find us on Patreon.com. If you want to continue the conversation about topics discussed in the show or start new ones with like-minded people, join us at the Tia Time Lounge on Facebook. Thank you for listening. See you next week at Tia Time. Thank you for joining us this week on Tia Time with Artist. Make sure to visit our website at tiaviolin.com where you can subscribe to the show and never miss an episode. Please leave us a rating at Apple Podcasts to expand the reach of the show. We really appreciate that help. And we'd also like to say thank you so very much to our sponsors, Michigan Artshare, a program of Michigan State University Extension, and Cold Plunge Records. And also all of our Patreon supporters. We couldn't do it without you. Thank you. We'll see you next week at Tea Time.